0: Oh boy, I needed to show you my grandson. He looks like a Michelin baby, right? And he's half Russian, half Filipino. He's, he's the cutest baby, you know, that's, that's Russian and Filipino. But anyways, so uh, our teaching for today will be based on Luke chapter 3, verses 1 to 18. And I'd like to invite everyone to please stand up. And as one family of believers, let us do our daily Bible reading for today, January 13th. And let us begin uh, by reading verse 1. All together now. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar... preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him.
1: Every valley shall be filled in,
0: every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough way smooth. And all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, John answered, Anyone who has shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should be the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, What should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. And some soldiers asked him, What should we do? He replied, Don't extort money. Don't accuse people of truth, Be content with your pay. People were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts, John might possibly be the Messiah. John, in this baptize you with water. The one who is more powerful than I will talk. The straps of his sandals are not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat with his wine, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted people and proclaimed the good news to them. Praise God for His Word. Amen? You may have both seated. So, you've done your daily Bible reading. So what does it mean? (laughs) That's why we're here today. Amen? So let us begin by providing some background information. The Gospel of Luke was likely written between AD 58 and 65. And although its author is not clearly identified, church tradition states that it is Luke who is a physician and close companion of the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Luke and also the book of Acts. Now in verses 1 and 2, the author mentions uh, the names of eight men, Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, Herod Antipas, Philip, Annas, Caiaphas, Zechariah, and John. They were all mentioned. So on the next slide, it says the four names were political leaders during the time of John. So there you have it. Tiberius Caesar was the emperor of Rome. Pontius Pilate was the governor of Jerusalem. Herod Antipas was the governor of Galilee. And Philip was the governor of the other regions. Now, Caiaphas and Annas, on the next slide, they were religious leaders. Caiaphas was the high priest and... um, Of the Jewish people and Annas was actually a former high priest but he also happens to be the father-in-law of Caiaphas so the Jewish high priest can be compared to Pope Francis who is the head of the Roman Catholic Church so Caiaphas was the high priest but there is one thing we need to know about Caiaphas is this he was a false high priest can everybody say false according to Old Testament Jewish law High priest needed to come from the family of Aaron, which is from the tribe of Levi. And Caiaphas was not a descendant of Aaron. He was appointed. Can everybody say he was given the job? He was appointed by the Roman government, and so therefore, he was a false high priest. Now, if the Catholic Church has Pope Francis as its high priest, who then is our high priest? And when I say us, I'm talking about us who have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Our great high priest is no other than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who is considered, is uh, consistently referred to in the book of Hebrews as the great high priest. A high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Can we please read Hebrews chapter 7, verse 17 together? For it is declared, you are a priest forever. In the order of Melchizedek. Well, wait a minute. Didn't I just say that high priest needed to come from the family of Aaron? Now it says there, Jesus was from the order of Melchizedek. So does this make Jesus a false high priest? Absolutely not. And who is this Melchizedek? Well, in Hebrews 7, Melchizedek is described as someone who has no beginning and no end. Melchizedek is also called the king of righteousness. And he's also called the king of Salem, which is the ancient city of Jerusalem. And Salem also means peace. So Melchizedek is both the king of righteousness and the king of peace. And he has no beginning and no end. So who do we know fits this description? Jesus. So the bottom line is Jesus is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron, but in the order of Melchizedek, who is more superior to Aaron. And another thing that we need to know about the priest of Jesus is that it is not based upon genealogy. It is not based on ancestry, but it is based upon the power of an indestructible life. Can we please read Hebrews seven sixteen together? He became a priest not by meeting the old requirement of belonging to the tribe of Levi, but by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. Can everybody say indestructible life? So all the high priests who descended from Aaron, they were born, they became high priests, and then they died. And then all the high priests that were appointed by the Roman government, Annas, Caiaphas, they were born, they were appointed, And then they were replaced by another appointee. So the term of their priesthood was limited. Jesus, on the other hand, is a priest forever. Now, although Jesus Christ did die on the cross, Calvary was not the end for Jesus Christ. Because as we all know, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Amen? Amen. 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 And so Jesus, he triumphed over death. His priesthood disappeared. He lives in the power of of an endless life. Jesus is indestructible. Jesus is eternal. No beginning and no end. Can everybody say praise the Lord? Lord. Don't we serve an awesome God? Amen. Are you guys learning something this morning? Yes, Yes, so am I. (laughs) Now a few things you need to know about the political and religious leaders during that time. They were all corrupt. So Caiaphas was an appointed high priest And like I said earlier, Annas was an ex-high priest, but also the father-in-law of Caiaphas. Now, Annas was actually the brains behind the operations. What do I mean by this? Well, you see, Annas was like the godfather. They used their positions of leadership to make themselves powerful and rich. Instead of representing as priest, instead of representing God to man and representing man to God, They were more interested in politics and money than in serving God. So they were corrupt. So we already learned a lot about the political and religious leaders during the time of John the Baptist, and we certainly learned about Jesus Christ being our great high priest. Now let us turn our attention towards John or John the Baptist, but before we do, again, we need to learn some more Bible and Jewish history. Are you okay with this? Yes. In the Old Testament, God spoke to the people through his prophets. And the last prophet that God spoke through was the prophet Malachi, which happens to be the last book in the Old Testament. And then after that, there was a period of silence for 400 years where God's people did not hear the voice of God. There were no messages from any prophets nor angels for 400 years. And then one day, can everybody say one day? After 400 years of silence, God sent an angel to speak to a Jewish priest by the name of Zechariah, whose name is also mentioned in the first two verses of Luke chapter 3. In Luke chapter 1, it says that while Zechariah was serving in the temple, the angel Gabriel appeared before him and he told him that he and his wife Elizabeth would have a son. And his son... Would be the forerunner of the Messiah Jesus Christ a forerunner is a person who is sent in advance to announce the coming of someone important now verses 4 to 6 I guess just show the next three slides four five six there you go Uh, that actually Those verses were uh, from the Old Testament prophecy from the book of Isaiah about the coming of John the Baptist. And as we all know, what God promises always happens. And so Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth had a son, and they named him John, also known as John the Baptist, and he was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Now, John the Baptist was different from most people. As an adult, John lived a rugged life in the mountains of Judea, he wore clothes made of camel's hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For his diet, he had locusts or grasshoppers and wild honey. How many of you could survive on grasshoppers and honey? Raise your hands. No? <laughs> yeah, you're, I, you guys are honest. I cannot as well. So, John lived a simple life as he focused on preparing the way for Jesus Christ. And that, I guess that's the key for us to be able to really be focused on serving God, is to live simple lives, right? I mean, a lot of times we tend to get involved in a lot of stuff that we shouldn't really be involved. And as a result of that, our lives become so complicated, we end up being so busy trying to take care of the concerns of those things, right? Here is John, a great example of serving Christ by living a simple life. Something for you to take away. So we studied verses 1 to 6. Let us now look at John's message beginning in, verses, in verse 7. Verse 7. Seems a little harsh, doesn't it? What would you have done if I came up to the stage and said, Good morning and Happy New Year, Tribe Church. You guys are a bunch of snakes. <laughs> uh, you would laugh. <laughs> no, most of you probably would have uh, left the building right away. I would. So why did John the Baptist use harsh language? Well, back in those days, religious leaders would come and listen to the messages of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. But these leaders did not come to listen in order to learn something and apply those things in their lives. They attended the sermons of Jesus and John the Baptist in order for them to find fault, to find something wrong in what they said so that they would have a reason or an excuse to have Jesus or John the Baptist arrested. So the hearts of these religious leaders were very hard, and they truly believed that they were good enough to please God. And so their hearts were really hardened, and they were beyond repentance. And you would read about this when you go through your daily Bible reading in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so John referred to this self-righteous leader's as snakes, And you know what? Even Jesus used the same language whenever these religious leaders attended his teachings. It is so sad how the religious leaders refused to obey the teachings of God brought by John and Jesus Christ. They not only failed to enter the kingdom of God themselves, but because of their false teachings and their bad examples, they also prevented others from entering the kingdom Of God and so in verse 8 John said produce fruit in keeping with repentance what John is saying is that repentance is not an emotional feeling repentance is not an emotional experience right what John is saying is that it is not enough for us to feel sorry sure and you know when we are when we do something bad we need to feel bad about it we need to feel sorry but Repentance, true repentance, means to turn away from sin. The word repent means to change one's mind, which should result in a change of action. So, to repent means to regret sin, to turn away from sin, and walk away from sin. Are you listening to me? So, I mean, some of you, some of, some of us might say, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me of my sins. But we still hang around in places or situations where, you know, we could fall into sin. You know, the Lord's Prayer says, lead us not into temptation. But a lot of times, we tend to hang out in places that will lead us into temptation. So we need to walk away from sin. Amen, church? So the biblical definition of repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change in a person's actions. And then in the second half of verse 8, John says, And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. And then in verse 9, John again gives another harsh statement. Can we please read verse 9 together? The Acts. So there were many... Many religious leaders back in the days of John, and guess what? There are many, many religious leaders today who think by being religious, they will automatically go to heaven. Just because they look holy in front of people, right, they think that they will go to heaven. Do you know that a lot of Jewish people believe that they will automatically go to heaven just because they are descendants of Abraham, just because Abraham is their father, the truth of the matter is that no one, can everybody say no one? No one is saved by ancestry. Also, no one can be saved through affiliation. Daniel cannot be saved and go to heaven because his mother and father are saved. Rachel cannot go to heaven because, uh, simply because she's affiliated or is a member of Thrive Church, right? No one gets saved through affiliation. Are you listening, church? The only way a person can be saved is through repentance which John talks about here in verse 8. And repentance begins by turning to God and asking God for forgiveness and changing your lifestyle. And then salvation or going to heaven comes simply by believing in Jesus Christ, believing that he died on the cross for you, believing that he took away the punishment from our for uh, punishment for our sins, and by believing in Jesus he will take away hell from our future and give us a wonderful future and the hope and promise of eternal life in a wonderful and glorious place called heaven. Amen? Amen? Amen. We have a wonderful future. Like Pastor JB said, the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. And so in verse 9, which talks about the axe already being at the root of the tree, John is reminding everyone that God gets to the root of everything, and he is not impressed with religiosity. We can only be saved by having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And as believers, our belief in Christ should be made known to others, not just by our words, but also, also through our actions. Remember, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So our actions should produce fruit in our lives. And, you know, you need to uh, always ask the Holy Spirit to Work in your life so that you could produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is listed in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, after John mentioned the need to produce good fruit, the crowd asked in verse 10, What should we do then? So in verse 11, John was essentially telling the crowd, not to be selfish, but to share their blessings with others. Some people in this room are more blessed than others. The Bible says that we are to share with those indeed less fortunate than us. There's always someone less fortunate than us. Amen? And then in verses 12 through 13, we see John giving counsel to tax collectors. Now, these tax collectors are also Jews, but they were appointed by the Roman officials. To collect taxes on behalf of the Roman government. Now, because they work for the Jews or for the Romans, the Jews hated these tax collectors even though they were Jews. Why? Because again, they work for the Romans and also they would collect more money from the citizens, more than what the citizens owed the government, right? This is how they uh, were able to uh, line their pockets or you know, make a little more profit than uh, the salary that they were receiving. So John was not telling the tax collectors to quit their jobs, but rather to do their work honestly. And this is a perfect time for all of us to just reflect in my job. Am I doing my job honestly? Or am I using it to my advantage? Am I stealing from others? Am I cheating? Are you listening, church? Can everybody say, be honest? And then in verse 14, we see John now giving counsel or advice to some soldiers. And these were not Roman soldiers, right? Because it was unlikely that Roman soldiers would come listen to John the Baptist or Jesus. These were probably Jewish soldiers who were assigned to the temple or one of the courts of the Jewish rulers. So again, John did not condemn these soldiers, but what he advised them to do was to avoid using their authority for personal gain. Again, some of you, some of us, could be leaders in the in church, in our places of work, at school, wherever. We need to ask ourselves the question, are we using our position of authority for personal gain? And then finally, in verses 15 to 18, just uh, quickly flick through those uh, three verses or four verses we see John pointing forward to a greater one and a greater baptism. And to summarize these verses, the people were amazed at what John the Baptist was saying. And so they asked a genuine question. It's like, are you the promised Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament? But John always made sure that he pointed everyone to Jesus Christ. Now, John the Baptist had many reasons to be proud, yet he was humble. You see, his, he had a miraculous birth. His birth was prophesied, and he was a powerful preacher, and he had many, many followers. And yet, can everybody say, and yet? Yes. He recognized that his role was to prepare the hearts of people for the coming of Jesus Christ. He always elevated Jesus Christ. Are you listening, church? He always elevated Jesus Christ and pointed others to Jesus. For example, in Luke chapter 3, verse 4, John clearly stated that Jesus was the Lord. In John chapter 1, 29, John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then in Luke chapter 1, also in verses 35 to 37, John the Baptist. With with uh, two of his many followers, and then he told his followers when they saw Jesus, "Look, the Lamb of God." And as soon as the followers of John the Baptist heard this, they left John and followed Jesus. And you know what? John the Baptist did not care. Why? Because he wanted everyone to follow Jesus. Amen. Don't we want everyone to follow Jesus? Amen. So John was simply a voice, an instrument willing to be used to tell others about Jesus. So this is a great segue to our three final thoughts about what we can learn from the life of John the Baptist. Number one, we are to be forerunners of Christ. We are to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Can we see the definition of forerunner? A person sent in advance to announce the coming of someone important. Now, Jesus Christ already was born into this world. John the Baptist prepared a way for Jesus Christ. So how can we be forerunners? Well, we are here on this earth right now. Our lives are here. One day, Jesus will come back in the event known as the rapture. Do you believe that church? And in that that event called the rapture, he will gather his church and he will take us to heaven. And then the awful... Uh, uh, seven, seven uh, years of tribulation will take place. We need to announce to people that Jesus is coming soon. Amen, church? Amen. So every day of our lives, whenever we have a chance, we need to tell others about the gospel, which is the good news that Jesus saves. But Pastor Bon, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a, a deacon. I'm not an elder. I'm not a Bible teacher like I'm not equipped to tell others about Jesus. Well, you probably are more equipped than you know. For example, when we have a new gadget, a new smartphone, a new job, a new girlfriend, a new boyfriend, a new baby, uh, a new car, uh, or if we discover a great restaurant has excellent food and very reasonable price, what do we do? We share it to others, right? We tell others about it. And we tell others in a passionate and exciting way, right? That's who we are as human beings. Well, let me ask you an honest question, and I'd like an honest answer. How many of you, How many of you have had your lives change because of Jesus? Raise your hands. There you go. Now you and I have something to share with others. Amen Church. When Jesus Christ was born on Christmas Day, the angels made the announcement. A bunch of shepherds. Back in those days, shepherds were considered to be the lowest social group of society. They were considered to be dirty and dishonest. But after they had seen Jesus exactly as the angel had said, they became changed men. Can everybody say they were changed? How do I know this? Well, Luke chapter 2, verse 20 says, The shepherds returned. They returned to their jobs of tending sheep. And it says, they were, glorifying, <coughs> they were glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So the shepherds became witnesses for Jesus. Luke 2.17 says that they spread the word about Jesus. So these shepherds became witnesses for Jesus. They became uh, evangelists. They talked to others about Jesus. Now, listen, if you witness a crime, you will most likely be asked to testify in a court of law. And as a witness, you do not need to know what kind of gun was used in a murder, uh, in a murder crime. They won't, the judge won't ask you, what is it? was it a 45, 22, uh, was it a 75? I don't know, I'm just making things up. Was it a magnum, right? Uh, And you're not expected to know the muzzle velocity of the gun or the range of the gun. All you need to tell the court is what you had seen and heard. Can everybody say seen and heard? Now, as witnesses for Jesus Christ, we need to tell others who Jesus is. We need to tell others what Jesus has done in our lives. And then we need to tell others what Jesus can do in their lives. Are you listening, church? All right, number one, we are to be forerunners of Jesus Christ. Number two, we are to be credible witnesses. This goes in line with what John said in verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So this is self-explanatory, but I have to bring it up just as well. If we say to others that we are a Christian, if we say to others that we are followers or disciples of Jesus Christ, then our actions must match our words. We cannot be a credible credible witness. Our words will not be believable if we don't do the things that the Bible tells us to do. Are you with me? If we expect others to listen to us and believe us, then we need to make sure that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we are walking in obedience to what our Bible, the Word of God says. So can everybody say, repeat this? We are to be credible witnesses. Our third and last point. We need to be faithful until the very end. Amen? John the Baptist was faithful literally until the very end. He was imprisoned and later on, he was beheaded by Herod Antipas who, like I said earlier, was the governor of Galilee. Now, I'm not saying that we will be beheaded or killed as a result of faithfully serving Jesus until the very end. Today, Christians getting put to death seems to only happen in Islamic countries like Libya and Pakistan. But here in Canada, we have the freedom of religion. Can everybody say, we are free? What are we free to do? We are free to assemble and worship. And this is why you and I are able to gather here today. We're able to gather every Sunday. We are able to gather any day of the week, for that matter, to gather together with fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord to worship Jesus and to learn more about God. Can everybody say hallelujah? Hallelujah. So yes, we need to be faithful when it comes to serving in the church and serving others in the body of Christ. But like John the Baptist and many and all the New Testament saints, we also need to be faithful in telling about Jesus, telling others about Jesus and telling them how Jesus can change their lives. And sometimes... We will, feel, we will feel not talking to others about Jesus, perhaps because we are going through some difficult circumstances in our lives. But Psalm 119, can everybody say 119? At some point in time, you're going to hit this in your daily Bible reading plan. It is the longest chapter in the Bible. And it repeatedly says, I will put my hope in God's word. Several times it says that. Why? Because... When circumstances become ugly, our situations, the situations in our relationship, our work, our school, our our jobs, our finances, our physical health. When things turn bad, we tend to become discouraged. And sometimes we tend to turn away from God and turn towards the things and the ways of this world. Can everybody say, I will put hope? In God's word. Do you believe that, church? Let the word of God be an encouragement to all of us. So regardless of our circumstances, it would be wise to put your hope in God's word because whatever God speaks, whatever he promises, eventually gets fulfilled. A great example is uh, when the angel Gabriel appealed to, appeared to Zechariah and said, you will have a son. And sure enough, Zechariah had a son. And then more than 2,000 years ago, you know, there were at least 100 promises in the Old Testament that God would send this world a Savior in Jesus Christ. And more than 2,000 years ago, those prophecies, those promises were fulfilled on the first Christmas day when Christ was born. The Bible says in Hebrews 10:27 that God who makes promises is faithful to fulfill his promises. I love what uh, our worship leader Silas was saying this morning. God's promises because God is not a liar, right? Whatever He says comes to fulfillment, right? And when it comes to uh, God speaking to Israel, well, it took 400 years, right? But eventually, God fulfills His promises. You know what? John was faithful. God is faithful. We too need to be faithful. When it, when we are faithful, it brings, brings great joy to the heart. jesus christ it gives him pleasure and this is the biggest reason why i serve jesus faithfully and i'll serve him faithfully until the very end why because it pleases god if god is truly at the center of our lives then you know what serving jesus faithfully will come naturally and god will make known his pleasure towards our faithfulness when we come face to face with jesus one day we will get to hear words of recognition and Appreciation straight from the master's mouth, he will say to those who have been faithful, Well done, good and faithful servant. And no true servant of the Lord could ask for anything more. Did you learn something today, church? Let's give a clap for Jesus Christ.
1: To God, this morning, just as we learned from Pastor Bond's message, is that having a relationship with God, having citizenship in heaven, having eternal life, going to heaven. It's not about our good works. It's not about our ancestry. It's not about our affiliation, but it's all simply about trusting in what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's not about what we do, but it's what he has done for us when he died on the cross for our sins. Maybe you're here today and this is the first time you ever heard that God loves you. Maybe you're here today and you've heard it before but you've never opened up your heart to Jesus and said, Jesus, I need you. Would you forgive me my sins? Would you please make me a new person today? If that's you in this place and you want to respond to God and you want to ask God to forgive your sins through the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, you're gonna give an opportunity to do that right here, right now. It's as simple as praying a prayer. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's what you want to do, you want to ask Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, then why don't you just raise your hand to God that This morning, this is a moment of repentance. It's a moment where we express our need for God. When we say, "I need a Savior," and His name is Jesus. That's you. Want just lift your hand to God this morning? Don't worry about your neighbors doing this. Between you and God this morning, is there anyone here who needs to do that this morning? Just raise your hand to God. Raise your hand to heaven this morning. Yeah, anyone else? Anyone else? Just raise your hand this morning. Raise your hand. Let Let the height of your hand reflect how much you need God this morning, how much you need Jesus and his forgiveness. Why don't you raise your hand and just pray this with me right now. Those who prayed this prayer before, why don't you pray it with those who are praying for the first time this morning. Let's pray it out loud right now and say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus thank, you thank you for dying on the cross, on the cross, to, pay cross sins, to pay for my sins, for rising again to, again, to, give, me life. to give me life. Today, today I, open I open up my heart and I say, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Come into my life. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Make me Your child. Make me Your child. Thank You. Thank You. It's starting today. That's starting today. I have a brand new life. I have a brand new life. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen my of heaven. My sins are forgiven. My sins are forgiven. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. And the best is yet to come. And the best is yet in to come. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Would you give God a big hand together yes, right now in this place?